0: The views and opinions expressed here and that of the host do not represent the views of in Progress or Summit Larch. The show also contains strong language and is not intended for listeners under the age of 18. If these terms are too rigid for you, I suggest you troll fucking elsewhere. Thank you and enjoy the show.
1: Salutations, you fucking nerds. Uh, we have a great show for you today, but before we get down to the nitty-gritty, I guess we'll, I guess we'll go ahead and read a fucking email all right? uh, from one of you shitheads. This one comes to OAS from Jordan, who lives in Biloxi, Mississippi. And Jordan writes, uh, let's see what he says. Okay, I come from a very religious family, and when it became known that I liked heavy metal... Uh, my family pretty much left me behind, It was, and I was given an ultimatum, my metal or my family. They say the music that I like is from Satan himself, and I will not be given an ultimatum like this. It is not fair. How do I get them to realize not all metal is satanic in nature? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Jordan. All right, Jordan, so, you know... M- my folks went through the same thing in my day. I, I remember my dad taking my Ozzy Osbourne Ultimate Sin album and throwing it in the incinerator. But uh, but if you're a good person, you know, that, you know, you're, you're not a dickhead, you're not destroying property, you're not doing drugs, you're not drinking. You'll see in my case I was a little different. I was a full-blown drug addict. Um, but, you know, it definitely gave my folks pause. But, you know... It, with with all the right-wing hysteria and all the, you know, satanic panic and it's, you know, it, it is what it is, man. But, you know, just do your thing, you know, and you seem like a good kid, so, you know, who has a great, you know, taste in music as well. But just do your thing, man, and, and don't go down a weird path like I did. And I think you'll be okay, and I'm sure your family will come around, you know, just give it some time. My family eventually did. And everything worked out for the best. So uh, just don't force it on them and and do you, all right? So thank you, Jordan, for that email. And if anybody wants to, send me an email, by all means, at C-R-Y-O-V-A-T-O at gmail.com. And a reply is guaranteed. All right. Brass tacks, as I would say. Um, It's showtime. And I have been trying to do this show for some time. And with their farewell tour upon us, I think there's no better time than now. So, ladies and gentlemen, I give you my favorite band, Skinny Puppy. So this show is going to be all about Skinny Puppy, and nothing but Skinny Puppy. So, um, without further ado, this is their very, very first recorded track from the early series, The Back and Forth. This is K9, and you are listening to Open Air Sonar. Don't go away. I'm on the fucking monitor. I'm on the fucking monitor. Oh, yeah. Fuck That was Canine from the Back and Forth series, um, which was recorded in Kevin Key's makeshift studio in his apartment. And the tune is said to be about looking at the world through the eyes of a dog. Um, though only 30 copy, 35 copies were ever printed, the self-release Back and Forth drew the attention of Vancouver startup label Network, who signed the band later that year. Uh, The first live Skinny Puppy show was held at the Univoss Art Gallery in Vancouver, February of 84, and the British group Alien Sex Fiend were among the 300 people in attendance. Fuck, I wish I would have been at that show. That would have been fucking amazing. But anyway, let's move on to our next masterpiece, will we? Uh, This one takes us to the 84 release, Remission, with the track Smothered Hope. Stick around. This is going to get fun. This is Open Air Sonar. That was Smothered Hope from the 84 release, uh, Remission. God, I I fucking love everything about that album, but um, I'm sure they were brapping their asses off, and we'll get to brapping later on in the show. Um, But, you know, having scored a record deal with Network uh, with the interest you know, sounding, and the back-and-forth EP growing, Skinny Puppy was invited to Vancouver's Mushroom Studios to work on this new material, and it was here that the group recorded Bill Lieb from Frontline Assembly uh, to perform bass, synth, and backing vocals, so, um, and like Ogre and Key before him, oh, excuse me, oh my god, too much weed, but uh, he created a stage name, Wilhelm Schroeder. Uh, The real name is Wilhelm, said Lieb. Schroeder, we picked out the guy uh, playing in the piano in the Charlie Brown cartoon, but Skinny Puppy released this in December of 84, and you know it marked the first time that Skinny Puppy would collaborate with artist Steve Gilmore, who created the album artwork, and the EP was initially only released in vinyl, I Have One, but was later given a cassette release in 86. According to Network VP and A&R Marketing Martins, um, remission grabbed everybody by the unit of and for the network records brought with it an association of industrial dance music. The EP was supported by music videos for the songs uh, Far Too Frail and Smothered Hope, uh, the latter which being the closest thing to hit a song any North American industrial act had achieved at the time. So, way to go on them guys, right? All right. Um, Anyway, our next song, what do we got for you here? Ooh, I do like this song. I like this song so much. So this is from the 85 release, Bytes. This is Assimilate. And you are listening to open air sonar, please don't be- was Assimilate from the 1985 release, Bites? Uh, Skinny Puppy used a lot of dark imagery and gore uh, to pull back the curtain of society that nobody wants to see. They sometimes just throw a blanket over it like it doesn't exist. But And with Assimilate, it was the, you know, it was meant to show how society has become complicit and desensitized sensitized to pollutants and our environment, and most notably, nuclear waste. Um, but after Bites came the '86 release of Mine, the Perpetual Intercourse. But we're gonna go ahead and skip over that one. I don't don't get me wrong. I love that album, but I only have a few to, an, an hour to get as many songs in as I can, and I want I want you guys to hear some of my favorite ones. So, this is Addiction from the 1987 release. Cleanse, fold, and manipulate. Please stick with us. This is gonna be a lot of fun, and you know I really want you guys to stick around for this. So. Come on back. This is Open Air Sonar. That was Addiction from the 1987 release, Cleanse, Fold, and Manipulate. Um, so with Bill Leeb off doing frontline assembly, they brought in Mr. Dwayne Gretel and as you can tell, the, uh, the product is absolutely magical. Um, but it, it, this, the album was described as a turning point where experimentation is just beginning to gel with innovation. And the album also marks the point where the group began to explore more political themes, delving into topics such as the AIDS epidemic, uh, the Vietnam War. Um, Of course, the song on the album, Addiction, on this album, Addiction, was released as a single. And then the the group later went on to tour with uh, performances at the Toronto Concert Hall, eventually being released on a movie called Ain't It Dead Yet, which is fucking great, uh, you know, uh, ogre takes a giant shot needle and sticks it into his brain and, like, all this blood and shit goes everywhere. He, like, wraps a microphone cord around his neck, but it's really fucking great. Um, you know, their live performances had become increasingly more elaborate with Ogre interacting with an onstage crucifix and other crudely constructed stage props. Um, the, the new stage show had a neo-datist shock theater, while Tom Lahim of the San Francisco Chronicle referred to it as grotesque. Um, and I've seen skinny puppy live a couple of times and I got to tell you, it's, it's a fucking religious experience, man. Especially if you're as big as a fan as I am, I absolutely love skinny puppy. So, um, that's why I'm actually dedicating a whole show to it for you guys. So anyway, I, we're going to go ahead and take a break now and, uh, I'll put something in the middle for you guys to listen to, I don't know, I got some skinny puppy in- interviews. I got, I got stuff. I'll find something for you, but please stick around. Please come back. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, I promise. Uh, This is Open Air Sonar. My name is Tony, and hopefully we see you after the break. Bye-bye.
2: is a beautiful thing that can be used to inspire and heal. But one of the last things you would expect it to be used for is torture. However, that's exactly what happened at Guantanamo Bay Prison. And when an industrial music group, Skinny Puppy, founded by Kevin Key and Nivik Over, Ogre, excuse me, discovered that their music was being used in this way, they decided to do something about it. The band sent an invoice to the Pentagon for $666,000. It was a ballsy move, but nothing out of the ordinary for such a politically conscious group, one that's used its music to drive awareness about issues ranging from animal testing to nuclear power. Well, Skinny Puppy happens to be on tour right now, and I was not only lucky enough to catch their show, but I also got a chance to sit down with frontman Nivek Nivik Ogre. I first asked him as one of the pioneers of industrial music how the band has maintained its political charge in the genre after all these years.
3: Times, I think I was telling you, I think sometimes we exist in order to give the impression of freedom of speech in America, but I'll grab that as much as I can. And older industrial music used to be uh, far more politicized, Throbbing Gristle, Genesis Peorage. Uh, they did things to try and rock the establishment a little bit and shake things up and open perception and open uh, people's eyes to you know the realities that were outside You know, and changed kind of the musical concept in the sense of, uh, musically, it was about any instrument um, any sound, any any form of uh, you know musical structure was allowed as long as it wasn't. Um, you know the norm per se.
2: Skinny Puppy uses a lot of theatrics like blood, masks, uh, gore on stage. What are you trying to portray by using these elements during your live performances?
3: We've always used those types of things to try and um, shock people into awakening. On one tour we actually used um, some Japanese footage called guinea pig. It it wasn't real. At the time we weren't really sure either and it was uh, basically almost snuff TV and so we started during one of the songs incorporating some of it in to see what the reaction was to our fans who kind of you know would, would embrace the blood and the mud and all that stuff and knew what we were doing, but w- once we in- Incorporated that footage there was revulsion and so I realized that there is a difference between how people react to You know theater versus what they feel is reality and, and it gave me some hope in a lot of ways that you know people you know weren't just kind of continuing down this path of, of looking for more and more you know death blood uh, to, to, to fill that, that, that vacuum in, in what, what I see as a powerless nation. And I
2: wanted to move on to your music. One of my brother and my favorite songs, uh, The Killing Game, I wanted to read our audience a portion of the lyrics after playing mean changes toys into tools twisted play things on the staircase fools fools weapons represents the killing game who taught the killing game Ogre. i've always considered this kind of an anti-war ballad uh what does it mean to you
3: well it means it means the idea of, of taking that one step beyond and 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 actually uh using violence as a way to solve something and so i see you know, within a lot of you know first world nation stuff, it's like you know we've created a lot of the conflicts mm-hmm. and a lot of the blowback and a lot of the um, the stuff that uh, you know people kind of go, well, why do they hate us? It's it's like well, there's a lot of reasons why, and if you look back historically, you can see that there's uh, there's 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 certainly a litany of things that you know create the idea of who really taught the Killing Game first. You know, and, and at times, in, in 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 the case of, of Killing Game, it was uh, I was using myself as the as a reference point, but I think it, it goes out beyond that. Skinny puppy. I, I've always tried to use. You know, I've certainly had my own folly through through life, and and uh, I've learned a lot of lessons, and I've come through quite a bit, and. Uh, you know, all of that, I tried to kind of relate to
2: a more externalized v- viewpoint. Visect Six was your fourth studio album. Uh, in it, the single test year, the video for which shows a kid who abused his dog <coughs> getting actually brutally abused himself and experimented on. Talk about the concept of this song, the album, and why you wanted to create a piece of work that not only called attention to the issue, but wanted to portray animal experimentation in such a way.
3: Well, I always, you know, I've always been, um, you know, um, very, Hurt or, um, you know, angry about the fact that we commodify animals. To me, I've always thought animals have souls. And, and when I was younger, I was called out in it so many times. But science is starting to prove that the consciousness in animals is far greater than we once thought it was, to the point that um, some scientists are even saying that most animals are the same as us with consciousness. And I mm. certainly look at my dogs and my cats and the personalities. You know, absolutely. And- <laughs> absolutely.
2: it
1: welcome back, my friends, to Open Air Sonar. I really hope you enjoyed that little snippet of Ogre being Ogre. You know, I absolutely love that man, and, dude, he's, he's just a rad fucking guy all the way around. But, um, you know, Skinny Puppy, they they tend to have this knack of just terrifying people. But in reality, they're a bunch of the nicest guys in the whole fucking world. Um, they just come across abrasive, and they want to show the dirt. They want to show that, that nasty, gritty stuff that nobody wants to see or believe that exists. So um, let's get on with the show, shall we? So uh, the next song I have for you, this is Testure from the 1988 release, Vivisex 6, and you, my friends, are listening to Open Air Sonar. From the 1988 release, Vivisex 6. The name of the song is actually a play on the word test and torture. Um, After researching, you know, animal testing as a topic, uh, Ogre became more and more disgusted, eventually reaching the point where he was against all form of animal testing. Um... And the album's title, uh, "Vivisex 6, is a pun intended to associate vivisection with Satanism due to the Roman numerals for 666, coupled with the word sect, and it's pronounced "vivisex 6. It's a fucking rad song, and I absolutely love it. And truth be told, you know, I am not perfect, okay? I don't think anybody is, but using animals for testing, I am highly, highly against, uh, you know, I mean... For the cosmetic industry, I find it absolutely fucking disgusting that we're using these animals so we can have our vanity. Um, I find that completely fucking wrong. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, This takes us to the 1989 release, Rabies. This is Tin Omen, and you are listening to Open Air Sonar, my friends. Come on back.
0: You are asleep.
1: Rabies. Uh, the song name is a reference to the 1989 Tiananmen Square protests and massacre, and the song also refers to the Miley Massacre of 68 and the Kent State shootings of 1970. Uh, ministry frontman Al Jorgensen is credited as both uh, the performing guitars and backing vocals for the song. Um, the band's longtime producer Dave Rave Ogilvie also contributed additional backing vocals. But I, I absolutely love this song. And Skinny Puppy was not pleased with this album. At least, you know, they, they didn't like Al Jorgensen's involvement, apparently. And uh, it started a big old fuss. And, you know, it is it is what it is. But Key was later quoted as saying of Ogre's involvement with ministry. And later on, Marty Atkins pig that he sometimes felt like a wife that's been cheated on. <laughs> Sorry there, Kev, but uh, I don't think that was the case. But either way... They didn't like the, I absolutely loved the album. I thought it was just hands down fucking amazing. The rest of the album is great with the other single, Warlock. Um, It was just fucking phenomenal. But anyway, I guess we got to keep this show rolling, right? So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next song. This is Tormentor from the 1990 release, Too Dark Park. Stick with us, people. Not a lot left to go. This is Open Air Sonar. Tormentor from the 1990 release *Too Dark Park*. Uh, the artwork for this album and its associated singles was inspired by cosmic horror, such as the Cthulhu Mythos. Lyrical themes included collapse of society due to destruction of nature, drug addiction, and psychological issues. You know, *Too Dark Park* is is probably hands down one of my favorite favorite Skinny Puppy. Album releases. I mean, it was just hands down amazing, and they they you know they went back to their roots, you know, to the Vivisect Six Days and to the Bites where th- everything was really electronical, uh, lots and lots of really morbid sampling, and it w- and the tour itself was amazing. A uh, ogre came out, and he was on this gigantic stilt man kind of thing, and he had this giant monster head on. And it was quite amazing. So I uh, guess it's time to move on to our next beast of a song, shall we? So this takes us to the 1992 release of Last Rights. I hope you guys are ready for this. This is Inquisition, and you are listening to Open Air Sonar. Please, please stay with us. Last Rites saw the band experimenting with two opposite extremes, Coco Fanta's heavy music and gloomy melodies resulting in moments of industrial weight as well as moments of uncharacteristic softness, along with containing some of the band's most impenetrable walls of sound and an 11-minute track composed almost entirely of manipulated and distorted samples. So, and Last Rites, it also features Skinny Puppy's first ballads so yeah, I, I love the album I thought it was great but the band was plagued by a lot of infighting and you know stuff going on and especially with drug addiction and that kind of thing so but in conclusion people I think Skinny Puppy uh, will go down in history as the most misunderstood bands of our time they have this uncanny ability to shock and awe to show us the horror and the, the misery of what humankind is capable of And of governments to murder their own people, you know, to give up our own moral compass for the sake of vanity, sloth, and convenience. Uh, With a world smothered in disinformation, government fight, infighting, you know, left and right-wing ideology, uh, religious dogma giving us a free pass to discriminate against others, uh, racism, and corporate greed to, uh, you know, destroying our environments. You know, we rush around pretending to be late for some job, you know, all the while ignoring the true horrors and injustices of the world. And maybe Skinny Puppy is telling us to look around and, and try to make the world a better place for man and animal. You know, we can all share in this world together if it wasn't for the assholes who like to buy fucking mansions and mansions and fucking it, it fucking drives me nuts. But anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and leave you now with a song. And a shout-out to the late, great Dwayne Gretel, who passed away in, the, in the 1995 during the making of The Process. This is Candle. And um, take care of yourself, people. And um, you know be good, be good to each other. Don't be dicks. And uh, thank you for joining me for this special edition of Open Air Sonar. Bye-bye.